Alan. Yo. How are you doing? Thank you for coming. I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's nice to come and sit in, in the shop after dark. Eagerly awaited this one. Anticipated. It's our first nighttime pod. Looking forward to this one. You are a Pareto veteran, one of the very first. Thank you very much. Dude, I just remember that one time you dropped off a, <laughs> you dropped us off a couple of burritos at Merriel. I was like, you're like, oh, I'm early. Where are you? I'm, like, I'm at Merriel. All right, I'll come man. Where are you? By the Lloyd's bag, cross here five minutes. And I was just like, this is amazing. And this is this was back in the days though when you were delivering them. And like, don't know whatever, however you cooked them, but they were like hotter than the sun. So we were in Merriel. I'm like, oh, it's fine. These aren't going to be cold by the time we get home. So we've been in Merriel for like another half hour. Get back. I'm like, perfect temperature. Still warm. Oh, still warm. Dreams, mate. No one can ever say we've had cold food because we've tested them. Yes. That was a Sunday, that was, I remember. It was, yeah. 2000... That's got to be 21, right? 2000 and COVID. It was during COVID, for sure, because that's when you started. Something weird was going on. But no, lovely work. You have been a vegan, diehard, for... Approaching 18 years. Whoa. This is the one we was looking for. Talk about it, man. Uh, How did it start and why did it start? Um... So there's, there's, there's sort of like, there's, there's a really long story and a kind of, well, so I, I first went vegan in 2005, but before that I'd been vegetarian for like 18 months, two years, because at the time I was dating a girl and her whole family were vegetarian. And so just kind of by default, I was just mainly eating that anyway. And then I remember going to Glastonbury and I was like we hadn't eaten all day and we'd been travelling since whatever and I remember going to like this burger stand and I looked at it and I went fuck off I'm going vegetarian because I wasn't paying £6.50 for that shit because this was like festival prices back then and it's bad now but like back then it was it seemed worse so I like and it was £6.50 for some shitty cheeseburger and I was like nah fuck that and just that was it just like just went vegetarian and then a friend of mine had took the piss out of me, like a friend through touring, and he's like, oh, okay, what about bacon sandwiches? You know, the usual. And he's a touring, he was a touring guy, and then I didn't see him for a year because he'd been out on the road, like, all over, and he comes back and he's like, oh, I'm a vegan now. And I'm like, you are? You, you know, like, literally a year before, he, like, ragged on me. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a vegan. I watched all these Peter videos and all these Avatar videos and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, all right. So then, like over the kind of the weeks since I was just like well if he can do it I can do it it's not difficult because that's what I needed to know as one person and so I was kind of I remember walking home from work the bus didn't show up so I just I walked back from my office to the bus stop no bus showed up I was like fuck it weather's good I'll walk home so the walk from Cayford back to mine in Stourbridge I just thought on this whole thing of like what's the definition of a vegetarian and at the time, like, I was basically living on pizza, cheese sandwiches, eggs, you know, the usual kind of just easy, convenient stuff. And I was like, well, you're not really a vegetarian if you're eating animal products. You're not really a vegetarian if you're wearing animal products. You're not really a vegetarian, you know, and just started thinking about these things from, like, a, just a definition perspective rather than thinking about it as what I should or couldn't or could, could do. And so I was like, well... I need new shoes anyway, so I'll just commit to not buying any leather anymore because that's easy because I don't like it. I don't really buy wool anyway. And so it just... And I was living by myself, so it wasn't like I had to worry about parents or anything. So I did all these things, like, 
been sort of living by myself, I was like, oh, fine, I'm going vegan. So it was like back in those days, it was like you go and buy a pack of six Lindas from Iceland for a pound or something, do you know what I mean? And it was loads of, it was fairly convenient at the time. I always thought, like, if I can do it now, there's no excuse why, because I was always the laziest person. Like, I just always reach for easy, convenient stuff, which is why I kind of feel like veganism is worse now, because everything's far too convenient. And I'd lost all this weight and then put it all back on since after lockdown. Like, lockdown was really healthy. It was great. I was making curries and pizzas and all kinds of stuff. It was really good. And then stuff opened up again and then you got a retail outlet. And I'm not blaming you, but (laughs) kind of blaming you. But yeah, so that's kind of where it started. It's just literally from a, well, someone else has done it and they seem to be fine. And, well, I'll go, I'll go. And then what happened was his mom was kind of well pleased about it because she was like oh great cool there's someone else that's doing it it's like an accountability thing so every time I'd go around she'd cook dinner and just make like a big vegan thing just for the whole family because it was like well there's two people there and then my mom really liked it because she was already vegetarian she was just like I'm going to experiment this is really good so I had a quite I didn't have like a negative thing going into it I used a lot of bullshit I told people that I was lactose intolerant before I tell them I was vegan yeah so I used to work around it, but... Well, from that, it just sounds like the burger was too much and that's why you changed. So what, what, well, was, th- what, what was the deciding factor? Like what, what made you do it? Obviously, you mentioned the... What if the burger was £3? Well, I don't know. It was just one of those things where, like... Because we... You know, it's the thing when you go into a... Fe- we, particularly with Glastonbury, it's like you get there the earliest day you can um, and you get a train we got a train we were going from Worcester so we got a train at like six in the morning down to Castle Carey or Bristol or whatever and you have to do all these things and it was just a long day and I was knackered and I was looking at it I was just like this looks awful it smells awful and I'm not paying the money for that like it just it didn't in my head make any sense and I remember being a kid at a big family dinner and we're having some like lamb dinner thing in a pub and I went oh could you imagine this running around a field yeah and he went and my, my, like, my aunt, like, three of my aunts in chorus who went, ah, just, like, went off. And I was about 10 or 11. And I was like, what's so weird about that? And didn't, like, obviously, you were a kid, you don't really clock it. And then you were getting, you know, and so then as I was getting older, I was seeing stuff and different things. And I was, like, I was aware of it, but I think I was just, like, eh. Yeah. But then as I was getting older and more independent and being sort of, I'd always been sort of aware of politics and, the environment and things anyway. I'd never really associated those with veganism or anything because I thought it was just a bunch of, like, white hemp trouser-wearing people with dreadlocks and yeah, stuff or going, yeah. oh, worship the earth, mother man, like all that kind of yeah. Yeah, usual stereotypes, isn't it? Yeah. But from a philosophical perspective, I was like, oh, well, it just makes sense. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter that my life is inconvenienced in any way or made more difficult. I never see it as a sacrifice or anything yeah. like that. It was just very much... I can't kill to eat. I can't fight people. So I'm not, I can't go into a place and go, if someone said, there's a sheep, kill it, because that's your dinner and your clothes for the next however long. I'd be like, nah, I'll just go and find a bush somewhere. That, that's, a, that's a topic I always bring up, because I said it the other day, if someone was a savage and they were violent and they, were, they acted that way, yeah. it would make sense for them to then kill cows and pigs and whatever. Mm. You've just said yourself, you're not, you're not that kind of person. You're not a violent person. It doesn't reflect your everyday yeah. uh, choices, does it? That's um, it. But, uh, but yeah, I was the same. Like when I was younger, 
uh, you heard the term veggie, vegan, or whatever, and it, it never kind of registered in the head. Mm. It was just like, oh, you don't eat meat, that's why. But then it never, it didn't go any further than that. It was just, oh, you're veggie, oh, no. Never, oh, you don't eat meat, why don't you eat meat? And then yeah. there must be something up with that or... The, the, the thing I find, like, in looking back on it, kind of in preparation for this, one of the things I found was, like, the three worst things you could be in an English pub, and I say English pub specifically, I could say black country pub if I want to get more specific, is tell them that you don't drink, you don't eat meat, and you're queer in mm. any way, shape, or form, whether that's bi or gay or trans, or, you know, what, what not. You're like, you're in that thing, and there'll be a guy there who'd lose his fucking mind. Because you'd be like, that's everything that he isn't, and it, it, they take it as an attack. Because part of it is, like, in... The the way I that I've grown up and I've watched the country grow up like as I've got older and stuff, I think about like education and the way that we talk to each other and communication and things. And one of the things that I think is that, that we fail on as a society is adequately educating our kids and our peers. And you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be just at school and all that kind of stuff. It has to be throughout everything because realistically you should be able to go you go into school when you're learning about food and nutrition and like physical activity so like if you're doing PE really you should be probably learning about like how to have the correct nutrients to do certain physical activities do you know what I mean like I've heard you talk about it on here before but like if you're weightlifting it's like knowing what kind of protein and stuff like that but like you don't there's no way in school that I know of where it's like well, this is what veganism is as a philosophy and as a lifestyle. And here's the facets of it, and this is what it means, and this is why people believe it. And then the same for vegetarianism, and the same for Buddhism, and the same for... And you get stuff in RE where it's like, you get, oh, here's the five pillars of Islam or whatever, but like it still hasn't stopped the fact that there's a whole heap of like racists who are trying to like kick off about a fictional mosque in Dudley, do you know what I mean? Like, so evidently our education system isn't doing an adequate enough job because most people still come up with the where do you get your protein, where do you get your B12, where do you get your this, that and the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet we live in a society where we're told we're supposed to be free-thinking individuals who've got our own rights and privileges and whatever. And But if you exert your... If you express yourself in a way that's like, well, I'm going to be vegan and people don't like it, really, they should just shut the fuck up and carry on walking, innit? But, like, everyone's got to have like an opinion or something everyone's got to have a thing to say about it because we're all too used to getting browbeaten by other people so rather than we just get the jab in first before they do yeah. and I think that's kind of with veganism and stuff and when you've got those sort of attitudes coming at you it's just because they they don't know and they don't want to know and mm. they've watched everyone else do it a certain way and humans will take the easiest route yeah. so they'll just follow whatever someone else has done tends to be yeah and that's where, when you get someone that decides I'm going to be a vegan or I'm going to be a raw vegan or I'm going to be a freegan and I'm going to dumpster dive or I'm going to do whatever, people don't go, oh, that's interesting. What's that all about? Some people do, but you'll find, like, as you've talked about here, people come in and um, give you, like, grief for, for just any old stuff just because they can. It is, it is mad how bullying does actually happen because... There's been a girl who's worked here, and she's actually said she had a teacher, and the who, who, who was 
plant-based and she was getting shit off the kids based on what she eats. And yeah. I'm like, obviously you understand bullying in terms of, oh, look at you, or black-white, or, you know. But where does that come from, that, that hate on based, on based on what someone eats? I think a lot Especially of it, when they actually deep down agree with the message. Yeah. That, that's, that's the strange bit. That's the weird bit that I don't get. Yeah, I think, I think I've, I've been thinking about it a lot because I've been looking at where the world is politically and stuff and, and how things are at the moment in this country. And so much of it is just... Well, it's a cognitive dissonance thing, isn't it? Like, people are culturally... Like, we have a society of just know what you know, learn for the test... Don't learn for any practical reason at all. Just, you've got to get three A stars and a B to get onto that college course, so then you can get onto that uni course, so then you can go and get that job. Memory test. You know, that's all you're doing, isn't it? So, if the world is encouraging that, where it's not, like, I, I learned, and when I got out of doing, when I finished school, I did a B tech instead of an A level, because I'm not academic. But you put things in my hands, and I can go and do it, I can work stuff out. And I think we, that's part of it like the the when it comes to the education of things and and the way we talk about stuff we don't give people an out to say oh i don't know we just give people a well if you don't know you're an idiot and that's on both sides i've seen it happen with vegans and i've seen it happen with left wing and right wing and all that kind of stuff is there's a there's like a clout in being absolutely certain, like a simple solution to a really complex problem. That's all we've been told for the last 13 years is it's like, at the moment, it's get the boats gone. Before that, it was get Brexit done. And then before that, it was some other poor shit. Like there was the go home vans and stuff. And a lot of people that are aware things are complex and they understand the motivations for why things happen. So like you said, like people get why people could be vegan because they're like, oh, well, they don't want to, kill an animal or whatever or they don't like the idea of it but they still think it doesn't make any sense because we don't live in a society that encourages people to go well, what the fuck is it find out I don't like I don't know should be a totally fine thing to say rather than oh, I'm just going to make up some waffle and, and then see where that leads do you know what I'm, does that make I'm, mm. I don't know if I'm just chatting nonsense but yeah. no no I get it it feels it's like it's it's why you see people like Rogan and stuff who are doing really well because they can sell these things as like, oh, it's mysterious, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. And it's definitely this and it's definitely that. Not, these are way yeah. too huge problems for one bloke to figure out with a microphone. Do you know what I mean? What do you make of Joe Rogan and all his uh, anti-vegan <sighs> interviews? Fine, whatever. <laughs> I just, like, it's one thing that you, I think this is a getting older thing for sure, but it's like uh, you learn to just go, Am I, in what I'm doing in my life, am I certain of it? Do I feel that I can do it as best as I believe it should be done? And am I feeling right and okay with it? And is anyone getting hurt? And if you can answer those in a way that appeases your conscience, fuck everyone else. Mm. So Joe Rogan could, and all these there's loads of people that can like bang on about vegans and stuff, but like you've, we've all talked about everyone's diet in every country ever wherever you are whatever you do there's always going to be things that are good and bad and deficiencies and things and you're going to have to work out how to supplement certain things just through general living mm. regard irrespective of whether you're like a 
doing like weightlifting or whether you're doing MMA or you're a musician or whatever like we should be able to just go well how do I do this not you're an idiot for not knowing yeah. or you're an idiot because I know what I'm I know I'm right you're yeah. like oh you know and there's a, that's, there's a thing with that with the, with the vegan plant based thing now is because no one's educated on it it's easy just to it's, mock it and it's like well yeah if you just did literally half an hour research a lot of what you think could just be debunked in well in exactly um, minutes should I say um, I, I find myself coming back to the same arguments and then it all narrows down and narrows down and narrows down until they just go yeah but I won't change but it's like that's fine but the arguments before that yeah can't yeah because there's a it feels like a hypocrisy right like it feels like you get to a point where you've given them all the you've taken the horse to the water and they're still not drinking it but I think we I think the discourse around it I think that well the way in which we talk about ideas and encouraging people I don't know that I've ever had that conversation with anyone in, in, this, in a real sense of well we know that people are probably going to get to a point where they're like they've got to confront themselves with some beliefs that they've deeply held and there's going to be a like it's going to it's not going to gel is it because you've grown up your some entire conflict. life culturally like you eat meat you drink beer you like all that kind of stuff I wish stuff. I was still a man like, I've, I mean I've never got the man thing at all like I've spent my entire life going am I am I not I don't know right. it's weird here's one for you then so the manly comment oh you've got to be a man to eat meat yeah if you've got someone who eats four animals the typical four and then you've got someone who eats a cat and a dog they're obviously more manly with the four but if the typical meat eater eats then eats two of mm. the four and then someone eats a cat a dog and a horse is that person then more manly than the person who <laughs> I have no idea where, where, where does the masculinity end that's what I want to know because the thing that has always kind of frustrated me can I eat a rat I mean, what's so important about being manly anyway? Like, genuinely, someone tell me, because I don't know. Like, as far as I can see it, like, looking in the world, most of the world's problems have had a man somewhere at the cause of it, be it religion, politics, manufacturing. Like, all the, pe- all the worst people in the world right now are men, majoritively. Like, Musk, Murdoch, Johnson, the entire... Go- conservative party like there's all these things where like there are men at the helm of these things and so when everyone goes oh being a man must be great oh you got to be this and everyone's like I'm looking at it like can we let women have a go because I think they've probably got an idea better than you know and there's all that I mean going down gender is is a, is a madness anyway not because just because there's so much to unravel with it mm-hmm. and I think it's like like with veganism there's there's so much engendered stuff in it in that if you care you must be a woman, as if being a man and caring is a, a mutually exclusive things. Mm. And like then, do, just it's a really bizarre thing that that you somehow your gender is is implied by the food or the clothes or the things that you do, mm. not by just what you are. Mm. And I feel like so many things have been held back because of people who have felt insecure in themselves and haven't admitted that they've gone no. 
this is what I am and they stick to it even though that it could be potentially psychologically or physically damaging or it could be damaging other people through kind of extent by extension of what they're doing and it's just I don't know why we hold on to it it doesn't doesn't do anything yeah I said the other day I said like if you take something else out of your diet such as a mushroom because I've never ate a mushroom if you take out what what I don't know, give me another uh, food that some n- not many I mean, people my, like. Uh, let's just say um, you take every out, time I order for you, I have to order Shelleys without onions in it. Yeah, onions. Right, you don't eat onions. Yep. Oh, real many onions. What? Right. What's the matter? <laughs> it's it's all it's all it's all fear and ignorance, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's what is a good question for you. What is the worst case of cognitive dissonance that you came across in your eighteen years? We had a good one the other day with Jack. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> I think I did. I was listening back to him the other day. Remind me of it. He said that there was a group of firefighters somewhere in this country who saved a pig or saved a group of pigs from a burning building and then gave it back to the farmer. Yeah. The farmer then chopped it up and served it back to the, to the, to the fireman. Um, wow. That's, that, that is the worst one I've, I mean, I've come across. That, that's where we... That, I mean, that in and of itself is, is that we don't see these creatures as creatures. We see them as commodities to be bought and sold and used as product. And that is a big thing that we need to, as vegans in a, in a 21st century world where everyone is trying to get out the, the things in our pockets and our wallets, we've got to be really mindful of, of how and where and why we're purchasing these things and stuff. Because I think as good as it is that like there's so many things you can buy in like Tesco and Sainsbury's and all that kind of stuff. The people that are making those things are still giant meat manufacturers. Like there's a company called Finnebrogue who started making like fake bacon and sausages and stuff. And their packaging is almost identical between that and their meat. And the only difference is one's blue and one's green. Hmm. And you're like, it's great that they're getting into the game because obviously that, like I've heard you mention it before and we've talked about it in the past, they recognise there's a monetary value there. Hmm. doesn't recognise the thing but then you still have to deal with that thing of like well I'm buying this product hmm. but that still goes into the same profit as the other stuff hmm. and so there's a cognitive dissonance there in that like I'm buying this stuff because it's convenient or it's cheap or I fancy something a bit fancy uh, I fancy something a bit posh or whatever so I'll go and buy one of those like mock roasts or something hmm. and make a fancy dinner but like Half of it is still made by meat producers who subjugate and kill millions of, if not billions, of animals yearly. So you kind of... But that's, a, that's a personal one in a way because I'm, mm. like, I'm aware of the kind of... If you, if you had a, a drug dealer who sold heroin and weed yeah. and you brought some weed off him, would that be funding the well, heroin supply? Exactly. That's, that's, it's that what, same what's thing. your stance on, um, say, a plant from McDonald's? I'm guessing you'd stay well clear. Oh God, no! I'm. I'm see, this is the problem. I am one of those people that, like, if it's late, if it, if like, I will go for convenience, and that's my problem. I've got like terrible willpower when it comes to snack food or junk food or whatever. Um, and particularly lately, like, the, well, the last kind of eighteen months have been a bit of a rough one. So I've kind of not thought about making food. And then when they did, whenever there's anything new, I'm always like, oh, I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. Because someone's going to ask me, so I might as well try. <laughs> and then you're like, and then you're like, oh, actually, yeah, this tastes like a McDonald's. Like this tastes like a horrible burger. 
and that's all I wanted. Like I wanted just a shitty burger and chips, and that does it does the job. I don't. I'm not happy about it, but then again, there's but, but so you, many of the things that I put my money into. I've got to just go. Meh. But they've got the biggest reach, haven't they? Like one well, of my mates used to slide into my DMs quite a lot. Not anymore, since we got the mics. Um, and uh, he said, "You're shaking hands with the devil." Mm. I said, "Yeah, but it's supply and demand, isn't it? It's like every time you, it's like you go back onto the weed heroin thing. It, yeah. If you if you if you buy the plant, the demand goes up and the demand for meat goes down, even just fractionally. But if thousands that's, of people do it, that's that's you know the, what I mean. That, and it wouldn't be there if another thing as well. It, they've just doubled it up, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, th- th- this is the thing, like. It's one of those one of the things I've always said to to whenever I've gone into shops and go, oh, why don't you sell this? And they're like, well, no one asked for it. I'm like, did anyone ask for that? And they're like, no. I'm like, why'd you suck it then? Oh, because people buy it. Well, how do you know people buy it if you'd no one asked for it? And they're like, oh, so like, yeah, just get some stuff in. And like the the local shop started doing it by me, and they started getting like old pro and stuff in a little bit of pieces. And you're like, oh, wicked! I can get I could I can go there instead of having to go to the Tesco. Mm-hmm. So. Like, it's, it's a difficult one because we're always in a world where there is exploitation. Like, you will never... There's never a world that exists without any kind of exploitation if you look at it at the root definition of what exploit means. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to... It, it's difficult because on one hand, I was, the, I, I was the vegan that was getting my nana making me tuna sandwiches and my granddad having to explain, it's still fish, mate, he won't eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And then having that, my same nana buy me a massive block of tofu because it was the only thing in Holland and Barry, it was just a raw, big old block of tofu. And she's like, you can have that for your breakfast. And I was like, yeah, have you got any tomatoes, nan? <laughs> just like, it's <laughs> a made up like a thing. But the, again, this comes back to this education thing. Like people will go and buy whatever's convenient, right? And that's not criticism. It's just an observation. Um, we live in a world where pre- pre-prepared foods are, they're not cheaper necessarily but on the surface of it there's way less effort and money involved in buying like a pre-prepared like bit of seitan or whatever or even if it's just like pre-made mashed potato in the supermarket you don't have to do that it's done as opposed to going and getting fruit and veg and it's like okay so for a fiver i've got a couple of bits of fruit and veg but for a fiver i've gone and bought two like full frozen dinners or whatever they're not healthy they're not good but i can still those count to me more as a meal than just like oh, i've got some carrots and some sweet and some potatoes and maybe some beans like the the access to these foods is is the problem mm. and the understanding around what those foods are then is also the thing because i don't know if you get it but like you get people that seem to take umbrage with vegan meat well mock meats or whatever you want to call them because mm. primarily yes they are trying to be a thing if you really want to do that but there are for some people they're an access thing for some people they're a suitable kind of this will do this will salt this will deal with the cravings that i've got for like a steak or whatever it is mm. or at least just the start of their journey yeah and yeah. there's a textural thing and there's all these things and it's like if i can go from basically what i was eating last week and it's like beef burgers and then this week it's like seitan or a bean burger or whatever it is but it's still ostensibly a burger. And I've got almost, you look at the two things, they look exactly the same. The difference is that one has less death on it. Well, wicked. Because that's all people want. And veganism, to me, is the least you can do in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, veganism ultimately is about 
appeasing your own conscience. It's about it's it's a similar thing to like it's 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 like Buddhism in a sense and and sort of Judaism in a sense where it's got like a here's a here's like a very simplistic set of rules that we're going to follow. Other people have over time made them complicated and whatever because it's but you have basic set of principles to work from and your life should be based on those so it should come out of compassion it shouldn't come out of I mean it can come out of being healthy or whatever I've met people who went into veganism probably because of health reasons because they saw a family member get sick and they were like oh well if I can head that off by being vegan wicked and then everything else has sort of come in the other tertiary bits but like this is a thing with, with buying stuff and feeling bad about buying stuff or not buying stuff, whether you're buying McDonald's or Nero or Costa or whatever it is, any of these, these are all multinational corporations that are all making billions of pounds and doing horrible things to their workers and not paying them properly. I mean, Coca-Cola, for example, are union mm. busters and have gone in and done some mm. horrible things in Central America. Um, but you think about all that stuff and you're like, well, okay, I've got to be compassionate to myself, first and foremost. I'm compassionate to animals, I'm compassionate to other people, but first and foremost, I've got to be compassionate to myself. So in that regard, I ain't going to give myself grief if I buy a McDonald's. Like, whatever. Mm. Like, in the grand scheme of things, it ain't going to do nothing. But that doesn't mean that you then get a free pass to just not think about stuff and not kind of discuss things and not have conversations. Mm. I think people, some people, they, they'll pick at things. Yeah. Like, yeah, but what about this? What about yeah. this? Well, that's, that's, that's a good point. I'm willing to change. Yeah. So what about your shoes? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good point. Let me look into it and I'm willing to, to change. You know what I mean? Like, so they say, don't know, every decision you make either makes the world a little bit better or a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. So if I can do more and more of the good ones rather than the bad ones, mm-hmm. that's what I'm willing to do. Uh, now back onto the food thing, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I'm willing to change. Yeah. So I'll do you a deal. Yeah. You stop. Funding that, and I'll stop funding that. Yeah, happy days. That's Everyone's it. a winner. And I think it's it's we we need to be in a more collaborative kind of way oh. of doing things, like because you don't you don't move forward through argument really. Like having so so I've done this vegan thing now for like the best part of eighteen years, and then I've worked in the vegan movement for almost ten. I don't do it anymore in a professional setting, but I did for just over nine years and so I've seen the other side of the curtain as, as as far as like how to talk to people and ways of talking to people in because you're in a formalized setting you can kind of do things slightly differently than if we were just sat down here chatting like this mm-hmm. um and the it, it's fascinating because there are some people who will come to you and they're absolutely open and they just they're just a sponge and they're just like tell me everything because I feel awful about the world and blah 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 and, you, and I've had people coming up really upset and they feel really genuinely they are they are really moved at the, what's going on in the world and they feel culpable and responsible and I have to kind of do a thing going this isn't you you are not the reason the entire world is falling apart it may feel like that because everything is looking everything is focused on you as an individual like all marketing is marketed to you it's what's marketed to them you know you're a demographic somewhere or you're a payroll number somewhere or you're like this that and the other and in some ways you're contributing whether you're driving a car or not driving a car or getting the bus or you know doing whatever it is and you kind of just have to be like what can I do 
what am I able to do? What mm-hmm. have I got the capacity to do? Yeah, when they say, you know, what about the people in Alaska? I'm not in Alaska. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what about the tribes in... Yeah. Uh, where do they still eat humans now? There's, well, supposedly there's, there's, there's a that one off that. the coast of India. There's someone off Madagascar. There's that one island that, That's like... It. If you go near them, they're going to they're gonna eat you. Yeah. Uh, what about them? Well, I'm not the, them, you know what I mean? This, this, you can this only is, start from, from home, you know what I yeah. mean? This is a thing that's really confused me, like, is the hypothetical, like, well, if you're on a desert island, right, and there's only a god pig, what am you going to do? And I'm like, well, what's the, what's the pig eating? Is there, is there a pig there? Did it come off the ship with me, or was it already there? Because, you know, there's some information here. Also, there's loads of seawater. If I can figure out a way of boiling it, I'm fine. You know, we're good. Um, but, it, like, we, we spend so much time, like, couched in hypotheticals about things that are just, like, nothing. Just, I think sometimes mm. people just like to be able to distract others. So they, they, rather than, because they don't have anything necessarily that they can bring to the, to the conversation, it's like, all right, well, I'll put in, like, a non-secretary or I'll put in some stupid hypothetical question that doesn't mean anything, but what it does is it distracts from the fact that I've got nothing to bring to this conversation. And rather, and like I said, if people just go, I don't know, you go, okay, cool, well, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? How do we get you to know? What is it that you... It's okay to be ignorant. It's okay to not know. Like, I think that's a thing. Like, again, mm. so many people just argue, like, argue from a position of certainty, mm. not from a position of necessarily experience, mm. or, or they don't admit that they're coming at it from a position of emotion. Yeah, my indoctrination it, since birth is right, and that is all there is to it. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to look into it. I'm not going to... Yeah. I'm going to just mock it I'm just gonna you know it's all it takes is I mean it's just whether people want to that's, that's the thing people don't want to and they a lot of people they know why they don't want to and they won't look into it but it really is just it's very great I've, I've, I can't be you know, I'm always open minded with anything so I'll listen to anything I have a lot of good conversations in the shop yeah people from different walks of life um, and I'll happily listen and think beyond what I've been brought up to know, you know what I mean? But a lot of people don't. Well, that's it, and I think it's... I mean, part of it, you can... It's like, socially, I can understand why, in some cases, because you've got families that have... Wherever they're from, whatever they're doing, they've got... Families have got a way of doing things in it. Like, you go around... Like, if you go and visit your family, like, if it's all... Everyone goes around, like, Nana's house, or everyone goes around Granddad's house, whatever it is, it's like, there's... Your aunt sits in that chair, your cousin sits in that chair, your uncle goes off out the back to watch the Chelsea game and having a can of Guinness or something. You know, there's the things that happen. And we don't challenge those things because everyone's like, this is fine, this is safe. And even if it's not safe, it's safer than me challenging it. It's safer than me asking if we can do something else. It's safer than me putting my head above a parapet because it might just get shot straight down. And, and that's certainly the case for my family, because they're all, my mum's side, they're all Catholic, and my mum was like, you don't have to be. And I was like, what? She went, yeah, you don't have to be, but if you want to be, you can be. And I was like, all right, can I ask some questions? She went, yeah, yeah, go for it. And I asked questions, and then I went, oh, I'm going to go ask the priest. And I got, I got almost, like, if he could have hit me, he would have hit me. He had a look on his face that he was, he was of the school of, you've, like, you've stepped out the box beat you yeah. for asking that question. Yeah. Because it was something, it was something stupid. It was an innocuous thing that a kid would ask about God and, yeah. If if God is real, then why does this happen? Kind of thing, a very yeah. innocent kind of question. Yeah. And and I was like, oh okay, 
there's something there if they don't want to answer I was aware if you're from a young age if you think outside the box they don't like it yeah and and so so one of the things that you know when you're talking to people who are like are being weird about being vegan like I think oftentimes it's just the I often I just humour them and I just be like yeah mate yeah nah and they're like what I'm like like I remember one time we used to say for a long time they're like oh why are you vegan I went I hate animals they're like what yeah don't want to see them don't want to eat them don't want to wear them (laughs) don't want to be near them I hate animals like just really go for it and they're like pull our face and they're like Especially the ones that roll around in their own shit all day. Yeah. And, and they're like going... And these are, this was a guy who was like... I remember at the time I did it, this was a guy who was like, I own a butcher's and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, wait, you hate animals? And I was like, yeah. I can't stand them. Can't stand them. They're horrible things. What are we doing eating them? What are we doing? Why are we wasting our time with it? And I've never he, heard that one. And he went, so you're telling me I care about animals more than you? And I went, do you still kill them? And he went, yeah. I went, nah. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like I was like mate I was having you on the entire time like there's some animals I don't give a shit about but come on like really it's like a triple bluff but it's that thing like but, but there are some but there is a thing where like I think if you can convince if you can say something convincingly enough to someone that doesn't know they'll sort of take it on board and I think this explains why so many people believe so many different things because they they hear something from someone else they see something on Twitter or Facebook there's, there's all kinds of things that go on. And so when you're faced with trying to find out what something is, you're like, well, where do I even start? Like, I was trying to find out some stuff for a project. Because ages ago, I wanted to do a project about leather. Because I feel like one of the things the vegan movement isn't doing a very good job of at the moment is discussing the stuff outside of the plate. Like, I get it. The plate is the easiest way to get people in, and it's probably the most reliable thing to get people in. But the stuff around the sides is, is, is as important. But when I started looking into the leather industry, you're like, I don't know which bits are factual. I don't know which bits are like emotionally charged because they're written for animal rights things or whatever else. So it's like, I can understand why people just go, I'd rather not look at it. Because some of it's grim as well. Like. Mm. I can imagine. It's like watching a horror show, some of that stuff. And I've never been one of those people that watched all the Abattoir videos when I was a kid. I've seen them because they've been mm. on the news or whatever. Yeah. But I've never been one of those ones that gets off on watching... Well, I say gets off, but there was a few people I worked with at the Vegan Society who were like, is it Gary? Gary, not Gary Francione, the other Gary. There was two Garys back in the day that were on the internet. And Yurofsky. That dickhead. Yeah. You don't like him? No. I don't oh. like him or the other Gary. Oh, he's, he's looked, up, looked up to like a, like a full Oh, yeah. Except he goes after people on the internet and does like... And he harassed one of our members of staff for two months straight. Really? Yeah, just constant emails and social media abuse and all kinds of stuff. Like, Before the, you tell me why, on the, leather, on the leather topic, I've just brought a new car. Yeah. It's not new, it's very old, but I've just got a new car. It has got leather seats. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the position to... Yeah. Uh, look for pricey cars but mm-hmm. without leather seats. What, what's your view on that? On second hand and clothes as well. So, say if someone brought like um, you know, like a second hand uh, fur yeah. hooded yeah. jacket. I I have one of those very woolly liberal views about it, which is why well, is it anyone else's business but your own? Like at the at, at, where we stand at the moment in the world is 
we can't afford most shit anyway. Um, we are going to get what we get with what we've got. It's like I used to say to people, like, do what you can, when you can, when you're able, and how you're able to, and if you've got capacity for it, whatever, some version of that. If someone, if, I know, if I've got no shoes and someone gives me a pair of leather shoes, I'm like, oh, I've got shoes now. I'm not going to say no. Yeah, of course, I don't want to pay for them if I don't have to. But if it's second hand, it's like, well, it's already in the circulate. It's already in the circle. What are you going to do? Well, I just chuck them in a bin and waste them. Because this is where I sort of started pulling back from the vegan movement a few years ago. Was there was like, sort of about 2016, 17, a vegan Facebook group. And they were saying, oh, I've got this... I've gone vegan recently and I've, I'm starting to... I've sorted out my kind of diet and I'm starting to go through my clothes and I'm getting rid of things. But I don't know what to do about these leather jackets. And the lady that ran this group was like, oh, you should give them a funeral, you should bury them in the ground. And I went, right, I'm not saying this to be horrible, but you do realise that's the worst idea you could possibly do if you give a shit about animals. And she went, no, it's not. You shouldn't wear that. It's a dead animal. I'm like, yeah. Do you know how, much, how many chemicals are in the leather? Do you know what's in that that's been treated and you wanted to put that into the soil? That's ridiculous. And she was like, what do you want about it? I'm like, you're not thinking about the ecology of the soil in your garden, are you? You're not thinking about the, there might be rodents that live there, there might be, you know, there's all kinds of fauna and flora in your garden that you have no idea about and you're just going to dig a hole and just put a chemical-filled bit of leather in the garden. And she was like, well, I don't see what else you can do. It's like, wear it, give it to someone that needs, give it to someone that needs a coat. Like, if you need to buy a car and the only car that's there that suits what you need in a car, both financially and in terms of actually literally, like, I would need a car that's a driver, you know, and I've got two and a half grand, there's a car that's two and a half grand, oh, it's got leather seats. Mm. So if you feel really bad about it, put a cover on it. Yeah, people can go too far, like, way too picky, and I think this is what pisses people off then because then you've got people who think like us and then you've got people who just like I've, I've heard one the other day about s- somebody's not going to a festival yeah. because the person who uh, came up with the uh, the idea uh, said something about breeding dogs it's like well where do you end with that like mm. do, you, do you have to stay out of town now yeah. do, do you not drive on the M1 because he drove on the M1 like, where, where's that going to end now I think- I mean? so, so it, it is a bit silly some people are just Come on, man! You've got to live. You've got to. I think part of it is, 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 it's the. We always want to clean everyone else's gardens before we sort our own in it. That's the culture of this country. Um, is that? And it's also a product of capitalism. And I swore to myself I wasn't going to bring up capitalism, but I feel like I got to in a real big, obvious way. Is that we are sold the world? We are sold our lifestyle, we are sold our ideas, we are sold the clothes on our backs, the food in our bellies, everything is sold to us and marketed to us in some way. And I may sound like I'm repeating myself, but when it comes to these conversations about our choices and what we do, a lot of those choices are attached to moral value. They're given moral values for no reason. Um, because really, if you give something a moral value then and you're still doing the thing, well, what's the point of having that moral value? Not to say that you, there's some, sometimes which in, it's, it's, a, it's a choice that you've got to, you can't make that choice. You've just got to go, I need to be to buy that thing. But we focus on that stuff more than necessarily what our actual actions are. Because really, if we wanted to change the world in a better way, a lot more of us would be getting our shit together and not, but not us en masse and not going to Tesco. 
we'd be going to the little green grocers and the thing if we could afford it. You know, we'd be doing so much more, but we are only able to do with we're able to do what we've got. And the, and I think what's this is another fact in the vegan movement is we've allowed consciously or unconsciously, depending on how far or whatever we are into it, because all of us have walked into a world that already exists. It's not like we were there from its inception in any way, shape, or form. So you come in on I mean, now the vegan movement is touching 80 years in the UK as a legitimate thing. Mm. So it started in 44. And so you, you've got all of these different classes of people that have experienced veganism in different ways. And you've got people who have come into it from different classes or whatever. And so their lived experiences immediately affect where they're shopping, how they're shopping and why they're shopping. And for some people, you come into veganism and if you're already like... I know I've spoken to people who are like, it's a four-person household and the mom's the vegan. And she's got to cook. And she, I remember speaking to this young lady, she was probably like 24, 25, got a kid with a partner. And her partner was like, I'm not feeding many of that vegan nonsense. And she came up, she was talking to me and she was really upset about it. And I was like, look, it's not anything that you can do. All you can do is what you can do with your hands in front of you. Like, if your kid's with someone else and they're going to feed them that, it sucks, but that's not, for your, that's not your responsibility. Just take ownership of the things you can actually affect. And I think we've forgotten that message in veganism because we get, that's why we end up with all this stuff about, oh, well... Oh, you've got leather seats in your car. It's like, I can't afford a brand new car with, like, whatever seats. Like, who can? Mm. Like, oh, yeah, there's a, you can go and get a Polestar 2 for £48,000 and it's got all recycled fabrics and stuff and it's all vegan. Mm. Sorry, last time I checked, who's got that kind of money? Like, the, mm. the market is not providing these things in a way yeah, that would mean that we can... Like you mentioned capitalism, like, companies are not going to spend X amount more to use biodegradable packaging. Exactly. Reasons, you know what I mean? Because it's all about profit. Yeah. And some of our stuff's biodegradable, some isn't. If if we had a bigger turnover, I would be looking at that. You know yeah. what I mean? But you've got you can only do what you can do with what you have. Yeah, exactly. And and it's so it's it's a very difficult thing to to navigate sometimes. Because but but I think there's there's also like after a while, if you once you get kind of a few years into it, you get used to used to where to go and, and what to do and who to speak to and what to look for and things. And some of it just only comes with time. Like, you can't answer those things immediately. Um, and getting used to... Getting used to the fact that supermarkets change their aisles all the time is something that mm. you never really had to think about before. Mm. What was it like uh, at the start? So you were, what, 20? 20... How old are you now? I'm 40 now, so 22. You look 28. Thank you very much. I'm not just saying that for the mic. <laughs> the skin's good. <laughs> I don't know be, what it was. I think it must like be the. I don't voice. know what it is. There's, there's some the people have said it's because I'm autistic. Some people have said it's the tofu. Some people have said it's whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, it's working. Well, weirdly, I went and did my health check the other day. So mm. uh, I got in the quickest thing I've ever had in my doctor's ever. I turned 40, and three days later, I had a text message saying, "Now you're 40, you're due your health check." I'm like. If I phone up for an appointment, I have to wait three days before I can get through on the phone. How are you getting this quick? <laughs> but I went in, and uh, and at the end of it, like I did, they did the blood test or whatever, and they do the things for sugars and fats and carbs and all the things. And the one went, I don't know what you were worried about. 
you're literally under on everything. Your cholesterol is like way lower than it, you know, doesn't, it's not that it's low to a dangerous level. When you say under, like I mean, where all way. the markers are for, this is the average we want oh, okay. people to be at. And I was like down like four or five points on every single one. So cholesterol way down. My heart mm-hmm. rate was basically three points either way off of 120 over 80. Mm. Um, blood pressure. Blood pressure was, you know, blood pressure that was fine. And there was all, all this stuff that were like all the markers were someone at 40. They were like, I don't know what you're worrying about. You're fine. I'll see mm. you in five years and you'll probably still be fine. And, they're like, and she said, what do you do? And I went, nothing particularly. Like, I'm vegan. And they went, oh, all right. That sounds good. I might give that a go. And I was like, all right. You know, but, but it's like, I don't, it's so much of it, I think, as well, is that we, we don't know enough about ourselves as individuals. We don't know enough about the body mm. to know for it's sure. It's such a complex, complex thing, isn't it? it That's it. it. There's, a, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. It's not just as easy as saying, don't eat this and eat this. It, mm. it, it boils down to DNA, it boils down to... All kinds of things. ...where you get your food from as well, because that's another thing as well, pesticides. What yeah. I was going to say before, what's, what's your view on the argument, um, the anti-vegan argument, oh, pesticides, crop deaths, um, you know, all that. Well, what, what's, what's your view on that? Mine is, obviously, I can't do everything. I've got to eat. I've got to eat. But some mm-hmm. people then turn around and say, well, you haven't got to. Yeah. Like, Come on, let's, let's just be grown up and say, look, We've got to survive and thrive and grow as a civilization. Yeah. So obviously, we've got to eat something. Um, what's, what's your kind well, of view on it? Because that's, that's the big argument in it the last year or two. That's the... Well, I'm going to quote scripture here. And by scripture, I mean the official definition of veganism. Um, because people often go, where's the vegan Bible? Who made you, God? Me, because I love myself. <laughs> uh, but um, the, 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 there's a, there's a the really important thing in the definition of veganism is that the, these, I can't remember it exactly, but it's essentially ends with in as far as is practicable and possible. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because that is your get out clause, which is you do what you can as, as, as informed as you can, but don't, don't hurt yourself because again, you are doing this, you are embarking on this lifestyle. You've got, the primary thing is, is if you, if you want to be a force for good in terms of doing more in the vegan movement, or if you just want to exist and live in a better way, you need to protect yourself first. So if your only options are these five options and they're not particularly great options, but that's all you've got, well, sorry, that's all you've got. You, you know, if, and you, if you don't know to look for other options, that's where the rest of us come in and go, hey, come over here. You know, we've got a thing, we can show you all this stuff. And so, I mean, I used to do it for a laugh. I'd say to people, like, are we really going to talk about how vegan we are because there's no such thing as a vegan if we get right down to it properly? Because to your point about the, the pesticides and the way that we do stuff, like, there's so many small animals that die just to pick up a cornfield or beetroot field or whatever, like, voles, rabbits, mice, foxes, other insects and, and, and birds and different things. But if that, you know, the part of me says, like, okay, cool, that's a thing we need to acknowledge. So what can we do to try and remedy that? Well, not fat much, not much, but what we can do is we can address the bigger issues. We can come to this afterwards, but I feel like these, it, yeah. these are the things that we should think about and we need to think about as a movement and as people that are consumers. Because there's two... There's, 
there's, there's a couple of ways to look at this. One is as a consumer, literally buying stuff and eating it and putting your waste in the world. Because you've got money, you do the thing, transactional. There's the transactional view of the world. Or there's the, I'm a living body on this giant organism that's floating in space. And I want to be as, as least shitty as I can. So veganism is a route that I'm going to go down to enable that. But I know going in full well that it's not all, it's not all roses because everything is exploited at some point mm-hmm. and it's, it's very difficult to... I said last week, if you drive on the road, we're in, with the butterfly effect, we're probably partly to blame for road traffic accidents mm-hmm. uh, 40 miles away. Does, it? Does, does that mean that you stop driving? Does that, does that mean that you don't live in a house because somebody somewhere died in construction of building houses? Well, so this is this is the thing that I've spent a lot of time like, up, like particularly going to events. So to your point about driving on a motorway, there's, there's, the irony isn't lost on me when I get down to London or go to Glasgow or whatever it was we were going to events all over the country to stop the van to turn around to the van and see the absolute carnage that is the front front bumper that's and the, and the bonnet because it's all just bugs and everything you know all the stuff that's hitting mm-hmm. and, and obviously as a driver you go down and you see all kinds of things you just have to be like okay I'm going to try and do the least mm-hmm. um, but again like you, you get so there's people who get so trapped in this I've got to be the shining they, they don't I mean they don't, it's not like they're saying it and expressing it but I've, I've met people and worked with people who feel like they have to be the most vegan they can be or the most like, if they're going to the gym or they're a runner, they've got to be the best runner. They've got to be the this thing for whatever reason. And you often find that that's where people will go, yeah, I was vegan and it made me really sick. It's like, did you maybe go at it a little bit hard and not really give yourself the, the space to fuck up mm. and the space to get it wrong and the space to accidentally eat cheese or the space to, you know, all these different things that we don't know about. Because once you crack into it, like if you, if you just parking veganism for, for a second, like you just look at our interactions in the world. If we care about suffering and all those kinds of things, we're not doing a very good job of it, are we? Because I still buy from Amazon occasionally because sometimes I need a thing like that. And it's like, well, the only place to get it is Amazon because it's 15 quid instead of 35 quid. But then there's buying in Tesco or buying wherever. Like we're seeing companies who are paying their staff absolutely nothing wages when they've got billions in the bank and they can pay them. Like if it's a small independent business and they can't afford to pay their staff, there's, a, there's definite differences. But if we're going to trip ourselves up on one thing, we should be looking at all the other things and, and actually kind of triaging it and going, which are the bits that actually I can do something about? Mm-hmm. Where can I make a difference? Either in my home or in my workplace, or in my school, or in the way that I interact with people. How can I... And it comes back to, it's again, it's the compassion thing. You be compassionate to yourself about the things that you're doing. And I, I still do it. I've done it ever since I first went vegan. I'll be going somewhere and I'll be like, God damn it, I hate it. I, have to, I have to go here. You know, like, I, it really irks me. There's some, some shops I have to go to because it's the only place I can get it. Or 
you know, I find out that a one shop I used to get stuff from suddenly got into hunting, and then I'm like, great, that place that I could get those tools from, I can't go there. I'm going to have to not go there because they endorse hunting, and I can't, I can't ever associate with it. That's where it draws the line. But these are our free choices to make, and under a capitalist society, we should be allowed to make those choices as long as they're not harming anyone else. Mm-hmm. But it feels like we're we're allowing ourselves to judge and be judged on choices that really are no one's business. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, it comes back to that we we take moral judgments based on people's choices rather than the practical kind of element of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like why aren't more people you could you sit there and go why aren't more people vegan and it's like well because for some people it's still too expensive and that is a justified argument mm. for other people they're just like it's a bunch of hippies that made me feel really terrible about myself because I've watched vegans be absolutely awful to people that aren't mm. and see in, I've only ever seen the other side of it so I haven't actually witnessed anyone on this side of the fence be aggressive to anyone else it's, or I've only ever seen it the other way because I've had it myself. I've mm. experienced it. I've, I can, I can probably, I can say, between twenty and thirty times, just off the top of my head, the the comments I've had or the the amount of times where people have, you know, poked, uh, you know, brought, brought it, just brought it up in conversation. Yeah. I haven't even mentioned it, but for some reason, there's like this stigma on the on the vegan side. Um, but then again, it, it it's like it's just stereotyping isn't it you can't like if, for example a, a, a bloke walked past the shop the once uh, he's obviously had a few beers and he shouted fucking shit into the shop now I know that 99% of meat eaters people just people I know wouldn't, wouldn't do that so I can't then just go oh look at you like you know what yeah, I mean like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shouting abuse into the shop so why is it different on the other side of the fence I don't get it it's I think it's because people want to validate themselves and their positions most of the time. They want to know that they're right. They want to know that they're doing things that... that, that if they're, I mean, the thing is, is that most people that go vegan tend to have some element of... Uh, they are conscious of things to any kind of level. Some people are really hyper-aware of stuff. Some people are more just like, yeah, this doesn't feel right, so I'll do this. Um, and I think... We, we live in a world that, again, it's, we're not, to a certain extent, we're not allowed to be individual. And I don't mean that in some like pseudo right wing Ben Shapiro type way. I just mean in that, look at the shit that people get. I mean, I used to get beaten up for being a Grebo as a kid. Like, I literally got asked if I was gay because I wore bracelets at 17. I was wearing like early learning bracelets. You know, the early learning bracelets you could put together were elastic yeah. and beads used to do that all the time so we used to have like up my arm beads and all this I walked out my house go into the shop and a guy come up to me and he's like you've got a timer I haven't got a watch and you prove it so I pull up my other thing and I've just got like a wrist full of like up here kind of thing and he's like alright and he walks back and he comes back and he's like I am sure he said are you gay and I went no and uh, next thing I know bang in the back of the head I'm on the floor and someone's trying to lay boots into me just because I looked different so we live in a world like, and, and you know, look at what's happened to trans people at the moment. Look what's happening. So uh, how old were you there, though? Was that school? That was, no, I was in college. I was 17. So, so still young. Yeah. Um, but now we're talking about grown adults. Yeah. Um, which, I, that, I, if you'd have told me the story about the vegan comments in school, I could yeah. understand, but yeah. this is where it gets interesting because people are actually grown adults. And, yeah, and... and, and 
and there's a conflict there. And, like and this is so. So actually, let's try and not make this for me getting a bit too all over the place. You're asking about the Gary Yarovsky thing. Oh yeah. What's so that? this is an example of where I mean this was vegans on vegans kind of thing, um, which you know you could just call it vegan beef, I guess. Um, oh, that's a terrible joke, isn't it? What do you call it when two vegans we, have an argument? Could, beef. We could have we could have called this vegan beef. I was nearly going to call. I was going to make a podcast that was going to be called "What's the Beef?" A bit with veganism, when I didn't. Ah, <laughs> oh, I might have to nick that. Then. Do it. <laughs> um, but so, and it was these. Two, it was Gary Rosky and Gary. Oh, I can't remember the other. Francione is the other guy. And these were two very. Um, they were of the abolitionist mindset which I don't know if you've spoken to many abolitionists yet or if you've got any kind of un- a familiarity with, with abolitionism as a, as a kind of concept. Because there's abolitionism, where, abolitionism when it comes to the justice system and, the re- and, the, and, the, and prison reform and stuff. Mm. Um, and then abolition in the animal rights movement is not just... It's not necessarily about animal rights. It's, you know, it's animal rights rather than animal welfare, but to a point where we literally abolish all the systems. And I'm for it. Totally, but some of the, some of the the way in which abolitionism is, abolitionism is discussed is quite aggressive. It can be quite confrontational. It can be very much if you don't agree with me, go fuck yourself. Like, and this was what was happening some years ago. Now, uh, one of my colleagues, when I was working at this uh, organisation, was getting a whole heap of abuse from them and their supporters. It's like an old, you know, good old internet pylon thing, except people were emailing my colleague. And it was, why? Because we were like, look, we're not taking a stance on abolitionism because that's not our job. This was, it would, under the way that we were set, that the organisation was set up, it wasn't an animal rights organisation. Animal rights was at its core in terms of why it existed, but its main objective wasn't to do that. And so what we found is people who are abolitionists were giving us grief and it was kind of headed by these two Garys. And they were just... It was misogynistic, it was violent, it was, like, some of the stuff they were saying was horrible. Everything and, that like, they claim not to be. Yeah, and but, but these are people that are vegan and, and, you know, compassionate and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, could we not just agree on, could we not just talk about what we agree on and then go, well, let's fix these things that we agree need fixing and all of the stuff we don't agree on, well, maybe that'll be fixed by, by just by sheer us doing the other stuff, or maybe when we get to them, they don't seem as bad because we fix the big things that we all agree on fixing. And, you know, th- th- one of the things that I find most frustrating about the movement in general with, with you know, abolitionists and animal rights and animal welfare and people who just think they're plant-based and people who just think veganism is a diet and people who just think veganism... You know, there's all these different interpretations of it. If we all just got in a room and went, how much money have we got, lads? all right, can we shut down that farm? Can we shut down that farm? Can we shut down that beagle factory? Can we shut down this? Can we open up alternatives to these things? Can we, open, can we put a bunch of money together or a bunch of resources together? Because there's enough organisations in the UK that all gen- broadly believe in the same thing, albeit different ways. So you've got like the Humane Society, who are predominantly welfareists, but with a view that they recognise that veganism is a way to achieve some of their goals. You've got Peter. You've got Animal Aid, you've got Viva, 
if they brought all their resources together with the resources of their supporter base, and doesn't necessarily have to be financial, it can be people to volunteer and whatever, and going, all right, here's a thing we need to fix. Whether that's, like I say, whether that's opening up a farm and literally proving that you can grow vegan proteins and vegan whatever, all these different things en masse for relatively cheap with huge return and you can feed everyone. Bingo. That's what we need to be doing as a movement. Mm. You and I as individuals, you know, we can only do what we can do, but if we can get value on everyone around it rather than it being like at the moment you've got like vegan campaign where it's a bunch of people going, look how brilliant I am. And I've got beef with vegan campaign as well, but we can get to that separately. Yeah. Oh. They didn't do that. They were, a friend of mine went um, and they're predominantly in a wheelchair because of their, because of the health condition they've got. And it's just easier to be in a wheelchair than try and walk around because otherwise it's crutches. And the site wasn't wheelchair accessible at all. Part of the site, to get from one side of the campsite to the other, you had to go up a, st- up a bridge that was steps either side. And it was a single track bridge. So most of the, so people on this side couldn't get on it because everyone was coming from across the way. And then like all the disabled facilities, if there were any, were nowhere near any of the other stuff. And they were just like, when my friends complained to them and said, hey, you know, like, this, this isn't particularly good. They were like, oh, well, you know, we couldn't do anything else about it. And that was it. And also, they used, to run, this country, can you? they used to run their thing on a showground. And you're telling me it's a vegan campaign on a showground where you're selling livestock. And I know, I've said, I know that sounds hypocritical. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have leather seats in your car. But that's a second-hand thing and you you're limited by choice. They deliberately held their event on a showground. Why did they deliberately hold it? I mean, I guess they might not have had enough space to do it. I'm sure there's practical yeah. reasons and financial reasons. But the, the irony that like the pe- some of the people that I met, or some of the people I knew that were going, who were particularly vocal about things where they were, they were, they were the kind... They, some of them, and I'm not saying this is emblematic of the entire crowd, but some of the people I knew were the kind that would do the, oh, well, you only do this or you only do that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you're going to a vegan event on a showground where animals have been bought and sold. Mm. Don't come at me about how vegan I'm not. <laughs> so what's, what's, because obviously I haven't looked into that, but what, what's the problem with that? Well, show, so, so, I mean, it's, it's more that's the, we, like... Was that in the past? Yeah, so that was a few yeah. years. That was a, so the, the, so the last year's one was the one with the really terrible disabled access. And, and it's a bugbear of mine, with, again, with veganism, is that we don't recognise that vegans aren't one homogenous blob. You know, there are a lot of people with a lot of things whether they're neurodivergent, whether they've got mental health issues, whether they're perfectly physical, able-bodied, they've got nothing wrong with them, whether they're black or Asian or Scottish or English or Welsh or whatever. Um, All walks of life, all different backgrounds. But the movement itself doesn't seem to do a very good job, as a whole, doesn't seem to do a very very good job of recognising that. And when you confront some organisations with it, they're like, no, we're, we're not racist. I'm like, didn't say you were racist, but you've done some racist shit, so maybe own up to it and change what you're doing. Or you've done some stuff that's ableist or sexist or whatever, and, I mean, there's some dark stuff in the vegan movement, like fascists and stuff down in London and doing really horrible things, but, like, we never address those things. It's all this kind of, how brilliant is veganism? Look how great we are. And you're like, yeah, cool. Can we fix the other stuff? Mm. Can we fix it? Can we build this? Can we redo this foundation so that 
when it's when it's there, this thing will grow way rapid, way more rapidly in a much healthier way. At the moment, it's only growing because people are making stuff for us. We're not making the world as we want to see it. Mm. We're, having, we're letting the world exist. And we're just like, oh, cool, I can get more stuff in Sainsbury's now. Oh, the January's on, I can go and get things for four weeks and then it'll all go. Because we're just basically guinea pigs for a marketing mm. exercise. Because mm. that's like... I swear half the time with Veganuary, like one of the things that I think they do is they're like, have you got any, you got any new products that you're trying out? Do you want to just sell them in January and pretend it's a Veganuary special? You know, it feels like sometimes it's that because you'll see stuff for, for like four or five weeks, mm-hmm. never see it again. There's a new thing with Aldi, have you seen? By, by the end of 24, I think they want to introduce a thousand, I could be wrong, Really? Introduce a thousand products. I don't, I don't know where I get the, the number of thousand from, but it, it's definitely uh, an aim for. for tw- I'm, I'm sure Lidl are doing something as well. Well, I know Corn are trying but to do that. Would they really be doing making these changes if they didn't see a, a consistent incline? Do you know what I mean? Well, they're, they're definitely. There's definitely that. There's definitely a. There's a financial thing that's definitely working because, yeah, like you say, people wouldn't do it if there wasn't money in it. Um, and I think. There are some people that probably are thinking more with their conscience these days. I've only seen it for five years because obviously I've only mm. given it up for five years. What um, from someone who's been vegan for what eighteen years? How have you seen the uh, the incline? Uh, have you, has it been my like predominantly the last five it's, years or? It's a really it... sh- so. Yeah, the, the, it's interesting because. I've been the thi- I've done the thing of having to phone up a place and ask in advance if they do anything, but then I've also just spent a lot of time gambling because I've been travelling through doing music and stuff. So I've had the fortunate thing of like, if you're with a touring party in a band and you've, you're at a sufficient enough level where you can get like a good rider or at least a semi-passable rider, and you can say touring party are all vegan. Well, they'll tend, you know, always say there's a couple of vegans, a couple of vegetarians, whatever. Um, you know, oftentimes there's food laid out for you. It could just be like a sandwich or it could be like a full-on dinner, depending on where you go. So in that sense, I was quite looked after because people were... And if you're doing punk rock, chances are you'll find something that, like, there's vegans there and whatever, or they tend to go run on vegan things because everyone can have it rather than if they did... From a, from a financial perspective, they've done it. So in that sense, it's not... The music scene hasn't really changed much, but what has been fascinating is that... is just the breadth of... The, the amount of times I don't have to check a packet. And part of that is because after a while, you get used to checking packets and you know what's good and what's not. Although there was a time in Aldi when they decided to put m- milk back in their dark chocolate digestives, and I didn't check. So for two weeks, I was... Gun in these biscuits. Gotta start again now, mate. That's it. That's it. Like Stop game over. Back. And I was like, "Oh, you're joking." <laughs> and they, this was when I was working at a, well, my at my vegan job, and they were in the office, and we'd just been munching on them. And I'm like, "Bastards have changed the recipe again." <laughs> so there's stuff like that you always have to be mindful of. That's never going to change, I don't think. But just the sheer convenience of everything is 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 wild, um, and the fact that like your place exists, and that, you know, there's other spots that are doing like predominantly. They are vegan businesses. They're not like a place that's got a vegan menu or got a couple of things. They're vegan businesses that exist in that sense. And the fact that there are two in this town where 18 years ago there were none, 
well, that's a good sign. You know, that there's, there's that, that, it, that small towns are starting to see it. That's where you notice the changes because you can always go to London. I mean, Glasgow was always the place I used to go for vegan stuff. Way better than London or Birmingham or Manchester. Um, still kind of is to a certain extent. But now seeing stuff like there's a, there was a vegan spot in Stourport and there's a vegan spot in like all the little kind of towns and things. You're like, okay, cool, this is good because this is where you know that there is enough attention that it's happening on a very local level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, those convenience things have been really good. There is... I don't think there's no, there's not really been any negatives as such. Um, so yeah, no, there, there haven't... They're not necessarily negatives. I say negatives and then I, I kind of second guess myself, but I feel like some things... The pace of some things has been rapid relatively speaking if you compare it to say vegetarianism because I always always thought that like what's happened is vegetarianism laid a groundwork for the convenience aspect of things you know like when you got your corns and all that whatever so we were about 15 years behind really in terms of general acceptance which has proved about right Um, although the last few years that seems to have kind of compressed so a 10-year growth window happened in about five or maybe less, um, which is, you know, obviously thanks to the, the, the efforts of some companies and organisations that have done movements to push for certain things. But I feel like the, the, the biggest thing for me that has been sort of neglected is everything, as, as I said earlier, everything outside of what's on your plate. And that's not necessarily because... I don't know whether it's because it's more difficult to deal with, but one of the things that's my big bugbear partly because it's from a vegan perspective but also from a music perspective is stuff like t-shirts like there was a gl- I don't know what it's like now but it, the, there was a period of time where there was a glut of companies all being vegan stuff and what they were doing they were just making designs banging them on Gildan getting a print company to bang them on Gildan t-shirts that were probably made for like 30p a shot pop they were buying them if they bought 100 t-shirts they were probably getting them about £3.50 each, selling them for a tenner and making a fiver profit. If that, maybe four quid, depending on what their costs were. But those are all made in factory sweatshops down in, you know, South Asia and and and, and China and different places, you know, China and India and Bangladesh and all these places in, in awful conditions. But it's all right, it's got a vegan logo on it, so we're good, we're cool. We don't talk about that stuff. We don't talk about the exploitation of animals in those industries. That that not. Are you talking about workers or animals? Both, in a sense, because you've got the kind of thing where, like, we've got. There's probably places where they're still using animal labour for certain things, or Coconuts, they're using monkeys. animal byproducts for things. Mm. Like, go and buy a pot. Go go like. Next time you're in like a TK Maxx or something, or any kind of clothing shop, have a look on the inside label where it tells you like what it's made of. And sometimes you'll find a bit on it that will say, contains non-textile parts of animal origin. I would, I wouldn't know what those parts actually are because I've tried to look it up and they're like, oh, it could be the buttons or it could be this. So I'm like, why aren't we addressing that? Why aren't we addressing the fact that they're like, there's animal parts in our clothes, even mm. though it's a cotton shirt. Mm. Like, It's like you said before though, I think you've got to, you've got to focus on one thing yes, before of you get... And for me, the biggest thing has got to be... F- oh, you, you for ch- sure. Your food choices, sure. it's got to be, because think how much food you eat in a week, mm. in a month, in a year. Surely that is the number one. 
It's it's that, it absolutely is, but the I mean it's more I guess my 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 criticism are more the, the movement in terms of the people that are in the positions to do stuff about it rather than the individuals. So whether it's places like the Vegan Society or Viva or Peter or Adam Allade, whatever, I think their responsibility as vegan educators or vegan custodians or whatever you want to kind of see them in their position as, they've got resources to be able to bring this stuff into into the kind of the public kind of sphere in terms of how we understand stuff like clothes and cosmetics and other things that we might buy and how those things are structured and what they're linked with and how we can make better, more informed choices. You know, maybe that's, it's not necessarily a vegan thing to do, but maybe stop buying brand new clothes and try to do a distribution network of clothes that we know are definitely vegan. So that if people want to buy stuff or get stuff second hand, imagine it if you've got like a vegan Depop or something. And, and then people know what to look for because we know what to look for with food. Mm. I think generally speaking, it's very quick. When it's coming to other things, we don't have those resources there in the same way. And I feel like that's a failing, not necessarily of individuals in the movement, but the, like I say, the people that are kind of propped up to be the, the informants, as mm. it were, you know, the people delivering the message and the delivering the information and stuff. Mm. You know, and some people are members or they donate to these organisations and I think they expect certain things. Mm. and we've done loads about food and it's great and there's loads more understanding of, of like the environmental impact of food for example but we still really haven't talked about that, that I don't see those conversations happen anywhere else other than with individual vegans or when I'm at work and I'm talking about stuff and I'm mm. like it's like the, the, the pay monkeys in Thailand to yeah. climb trees uh, that can pick seven times faster than humans and there's a big monkey yeah. exploitation problem exactly and, yeah and someone could say to me you know do you have coconut cream in some of your dishes yet yeah, I do I didn't know about it until now okay yeah what can I do next yes yeah uh, that's know, it. And yeah. it it's like you said you can only do what you can do or absolutely you only know what you know um, yeah. and I don't suppose we'll ever get to the bottom of it kind of thing no but I think the, the there's so there's there's two ways of it and it's Again, it comes back to that if you've got the capacity to do it and if you're able to do it. But finding out if there's... It, it shouldn't be on any one individual to have to do all the work to, to bring that stuff. But I think there needs to be a better way of us getting together and sharing our ideas in a sense. It's not like a Facebook group or a, everyone meets at the coffee shop on a Wednesday and has a chat or whatever. But I think certainly from like a business perspective I, I've argued for years there should be a, a vegan chamber of commerce that's job is to support anyone that wants to go into it wants to set up a vegan business already is a vegan business or wants to completely pull themselves out of doing stuff that is exploitative and they want to be if not solely vegan they want to know how they can bet, have better vegan provision for their customers or whatever there should be something like that so that we can, you know, so that, you know, you as a business owner, you can get access to the biodegradable stuff at, like, not ridiculous prices. You should be able to be the business you want to be without it gonna, without it potentially breaking your bank or you have to go and get a bank loan or whatever. There should be stuff available for us to resource from and pull from and, and, and mm. you know, 
share the burden a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the vegan movement is sort of failing because it doesn't seem to be bringing people together in those same ways unless they can make a bit of money out of it. Because mm-hmm. um, I found what's frustrated me over the years is going to vegan fest, going to vegan events where it's like the trade show type things where you're like in like the XL or the Olympia or the NEC or something and it's all just like rows and rows and rows of stalls and people selling different things. And that's all that's become, really. There are talks and stuff, but they don't seem to be particularly like... We're not doing anything that's innovative or new. There's not... And you're like, we're a few... You know, we're almost 100 years into veganism as a modern concept. We're still only this far. We should be way further. And I feel like that's because we've been so combative. And that's not necessarily just the vegan movement. That's... Why do you think, so, it, why do you think it has exploded? In the last 10 years? I think, the, I mean, the, the access to information undoubtedly, undoubtedly is going to be the, the primary thing of it. I think also there are a group of people, there's a bunch of people that did it long enough ago now that you can kind of put to bed any of the kind of misapprehensions that people had. You know, and this has, gone, this has been mentioned on previous episodes of this podcast, Protein. but... You know, we know no, we know more about nutrition now than we ever did. We understand macrobiotics. We understand, you know, where we're getting these sources of things from. We've gone. I, and in fairness, I think this is a, this is t- telling of the society. I hear. No, I can't remember the last time I heard anyone go on about B twelve or protein unless I brought it up. Mm. Like I've those jo- the the jokes, the kind of the piss taking is almost all but gone. Partly, I think that's because my friends have known me long enough that this isn't like some fad thing. But also, most of those friends that took the piss have either gone vegan or they're eating considerably more vegan food than they did. And they, they go, oh, mate, I tried this the other day. It's wicked. And like, yeah, it's just food, isn't it? Like, it's not vegan food. It's just food. Mm-hmm. Like, take your identity out of it and go, I want to make something that's fucking tasty. Mm-hmm. I don't care. You know, I don't, all, all, the only requirement is... It doesn't need. I don't. I don't want it to have lived beforehand, in a in a sense that we understand living. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on the plants feel shit because I'm not. <laughs> and you got a pet carrot. I'm not going down that route. I there's there's that I I haven't read enough on the science about it, but at the moment it's like I've not I haven't heard a plant scream at me yet. I haven't seen a plant recoil in fear. Yeah, you know that that, that is one of the really bad ones. That's, that's not even worth replying to, is it? But again, one? it's another one of those distraction things. It's another one of those things that's it's just, like... It's just something to put out It's there, just yeah. to be like, I want to be a contrarian, so... Mate, just uh, changing the subject, um, a question for you. What would you say is a typical day of eating for you? From morning till night, uh, give us an example of your eating pattern. It depends on where I am and what I'm doing. But if... I wish I was in my... The only thing I miss about my old job was the ridiculous blender that we got sent for free by a company that we work with. And it was like some vacuum blender. And so you put the thing on the top and you, could, you wouldn't have to like hold it or anything. It would just, and it would blitz kale like nothing else. It would deal with kale and almonds and cashews really well in smoothies. So I, what I used to do is working in the office, I'd be, I'd, I'd be getting in at like seven or eight, because I'd get a lift in, probably go for a run, because where I was working at the time in Birmingham, it was right by the canal, so I'd go, go for a good old run. 
get back, make up like a full jug of green smoothie, and I'll put like loads of stuff in, like kale and banana and kiwi and blueberries and like some green powder stuff that got like raspberry ketones and different things and like lemongrass and stuff in it um and i'd like kind of have that through the day as sort of like breakfast and sometimes i maybe have like porridge oats as well like whether it's overnight or cooked um but i have the smoothies through the day because that's like you're still getting water in it and i don't have a glass of water as well but by lunchtime I'd be like, I might have a soup or a salad. I'd never really have salads only in the summer because I feel weird about having salads outside of summer. Um, but like I used to make a lot of stews or curries or soups and stuff. And I tend to do is like week on a Sunday, just make up like a week's worth of soup or stew and then that'd be my lunch for the week or whatever. And then when the wife gets home from work, one of us would cook. So we'd either do like a pasta thing or curry or chilli or something that we can usually batch up and have for a few days anyway because we're kind of, once you're cutting up vegetables, you might as well just cut all of them up and just go because otherwise you're forgetting they end up rotting in the fridge. Yeah, they'll be mouldy uh, over the yeah, days, yeah. But, but lately it's been more, uh, partly because we've had, we, we, we lost one of our cats a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I've been mainly in grief eating, so which is predominantly bread biscuits chocolate crap pizza i've just been eating really bad lately and and no do you know what take that back because i'm sick of, I, I, i've heard a friend's voice in my head going stop shaming yourself about what you put in your face like yeah. just it's food don't worry about it if you want to eat differently or better you will just give yourself the because the, that was the thing i used to do a lot beat myself up over like eating this or eating that or eating whatever and I think I developed an eating disorder this was before I was vegan I think I developed an eating disorder mm -hmm. because I started feeling shame with food and stuff well that's the thing a lot of people do and they don't realise that you can eat a bit of, bit of crap yeah yeah. You know, and if you're sitting there every day ordering Papa John's and you know eating chocolate every day and doing things that you know you shouldn't but just balance yeah just balance I mean it, man. It's, it's as much as the as much as I love cooking I love making curries and things and trying to do different recipes and, and whatnot because you kind of just go, I never really follow recipes. I'm just like, well, what have I got? I've got all of this stuff. All right, there's a slow cooker. Boom, shove it all in. I'll put a bit of this in and put a bit of that in, like different herbs and spices and stuff. Because um, my stepmom's Jamaican and she gave me the whole thing about white people don't know how to use flavour and I was like yeah my family is Scottish I know <laughs> um, but yeah so I always put like uh, lot of, like just muck around with flavours and things but when when I'm in a particularly bad like mental health kind of zone or whatever it's like it's the most you can do is getting out of bed and you're like fuck I've got to work now and then it's like, you've got to do all the other things and it's just so hard to kind of sometimes get out of those things. You just have to learn to be like, all right, fine, we're going on autopilot today. We'll just grab whatever's easy. So whether that's a can of soup or whether it's a bowl of cereal. Yeah. When, when I'm in one of them days, I make sure I wake up, put something bright into me, yeah. such as a shake. If I'm waking up and I waste a bit of time faffing around, I'll get down and do like 20 press-ups like I've got to drill it into my head mm. early that no, I'm not going to go down that yeah. path. Yeah, I need to get back into that. I used to mean over lockdown, I was, I was getting up at like, just naturally waking up at like four or five in the morning every day because I was aware that I used to go up like I'll go for a walk at seven before I start work, 
And I think everyone had the same idea. I was like, right, I'll go at six. And I was like, there's still too many people out. I'm trying to social distance here. <laughs> so I was going out, crack of dawn, like walking for an hour, two hours or whatever, getting like sometimes six or seven miles in in the morning before I'd even started. And I was like, why don't I do that again? But it's one of those things that like you sort of, the further you get away from it, the more intimidating it is to go back because you feel like you're going to fail. And then you have to do the reminder of it doesn't matter if you fail. If you failed, you learn from it. You pick yourself up and go back on. It's like people going, "Oh, I've broken vegan. I'm not. I'm not vegan now anymore because I accidentally ate this." You're like, "Hmm." I've deliberately eaten a cheese pizza when I was depressed once. Exactly the same. So as me. I've got and I've got oh, and deliberately. I've, deliberately, I've got, oh. I was one. I was and this was this was years ago. This was years ago, and I was really, really in a really like bad hole. Um, where my girlfriend had, she wasn't vegan she'd left a pizza we'd have pizza she'd had a pizza left it at mine and I and I was just for whatever reason in a bad place like can't really explain what it was now looking back on it but like I was just like why even bother what's the point in any of it like no one cares no one's grateful what and uh, you know, all these like toxic things that don't really mean anything I was like fuck it just sat there and just ate and it was cold as well it was horrible and I just made myself eat the whole thing and I was like you you like and I don't know why I did it it was just one of those things I was, and I didn't like there was no enjoyment on it I didn't do it because I was like oh I really want cheese I was just like I was hungry and it was the only thing that was there and I couldn't get out to do anything else it's like you're not even going to tell me that you were stoned no I've never oh. see this is the thing <laughs> when I'm high I'm way if I if I when I'm high like I'm way more like conscious of things and I'm like no this is you know we're gonna do it properly like I've never it's only when I'm drunk that I give into things drunk is the fuck it gene that's where whereas weed is more like oh okay cool you calm now you can just figure things out you, your brain slowed down a little bit more but yeah it's it's one of those things where I'm like yeah I did that wasn't a good idea but. What am I gonna do now? Like I used to eat, I used to enjoy bacon sandwiches and stuff when I was a kid. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna beat myself up too much about it. It's happened. You know, it's not like I'm lecturing people on what they can and can't do for about being. And you forget about it and move on. Well, that's it. And, and so I've done the same, just accidentally. Someone yeah. ordered me a, a cheese pizza instead of a. Oh, I've been. And yeah, I I just ate half and I was like, hang on a bit. That's that's a bit different now. And um, threw it away. Woke up the next day and never never give it another thought. Um. It's going to happen. But. Yeah. Well, this is it, and it's 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 something someone uh, a Jewish friend of mine told me, uh, a touring friend. Um, and the other reason I say that as a Jewish friend is because we were talking about he was talking. I was talking about kosher rules because trying to. I was asking him about like how it works because I was like, well, technically, if you're not allowed to have this and this, how does it work if it's vegan? Like if you have a ve- like if you were to have a vegan cheeseburger, well, technically you're not having meat and you're not having cheese. But it is a vegan cheese. So we were getting into kind of more in, into the esoterics of it. And, uh, and it's just like, if you don't know, you don't know. Don't beat yourself up for stuff you don't know. If you consciously did it, then mm. fine. You deserve to, to learn from it and acknowledge what you've done. But otherwise, if you don't know, don't waste your energy on it. I heard this on a podcast a few weeks ago. You're in a field and you've accidentally brought non-vegan food to the field let's just say for a festival mm. you're starving the food's going to go to waste personally I'm not the sort of person to just eat it because for me it's just a no-go zone mm-hmm. what would you do give it if you can't you can't give it away you can't it's, it's either got, got to go in the bin 
or you've got to eat it to not waste it. The damage has been done. You've already purchased it. Mm. What do you do in that situation? But I can imagine for you, 18 years is... It's, see, it's now it's like I, I'd like I mean the thing is I've I've definitely done it recently I bought something thinking and I've not eaten it because I gave it to a friend I was with I'll just give you an example sorry I, uh, not long ago I, for some reason I don't know why two weeks ago three weeks ago I've sat in India and I've ordered a paneer a doll paneer a doll paneer and then after about ten minutes I sat down and I was thinking have I just ordered a paneer, a paneer dish? So I've gone back up to the counter. I've said, excuse me, did I order a doll paneer? They're like, yeah, yeah. I've gone, I don't know why, what came over me. I know exactly what paneer is. Yeah. And it's came. I've, I've said to them, like, I'll have something else. Obviously, that's came. They've put it in a takeaway dish. I've wrapped it up and I've given it to one of my neighbours. Yeah. Uh, there's been times where I've ordered a veggie dish forgetting that there's milk in there. And for me, milk is worse than meat for me. Yeah. Uh, and I've just left it on the side and drank my pint and walked out. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, where, it, that's where I am kind of thing. So what, what, what would you do if you didn't feel the situation? Depends, um, it definitely depends on, on the circumstances because I, I would, I, of course I want to say that I probably wouldn't because I, I kind of this thing, like, given how long I've been doing it, I shouldn't really be making that mistake, that many mistakes in what I'm buying and how I'm buying and all that kind of stuff. But I've def- definitely done it. Because another time I was on a tour and I was eating these things, like they were like tracker bars, but like the European version. And I said to my tour manager, who was Hungarian, I went, is there anywhere on this that says milk? I can't see anything that looks like milk. Can you just check? Because I'm not from, I don't know what milk is in Hungarian. And, uh, and we looked at it and he's like, no, no, you're fine. And then like, six days into a 10-day tour, a guitar player's looking at one of them and he takes it out of the box and he's like, can I have one of these? I'm like, yeah. He looks at it. He's like, just seeing what's in it. And he's like, wait, is that the Dutch for milk? And I was like, you what? And I went to the <laughs> tour manager and I went, yo, you said there's no milk in this. And he went, no, there's milk in it. And I've been like just banging these, because they were like tracker bars, in it. Like when I was a kid, lived done them things, you know, chocolate and nuts, it was great. So over there thinking, that's an adequate breakfast. Is that the orange one? The trucker bar? They used to be, it was like a cereal bar back in the days and it had like chocolate chips in it and peanuts and that. I don't know if you could still get them. I thought I thought I knew every chocolate, man, obviously not. The trucker bar was like old school, like back in the days. They were like in a yellow packet. You can probably still get them. It's the precursor the to like bar. a, you know, your standard cereal bar, isn't it? Yeah. It was never vegan, but like it was one of those things where it's like, so I've definitely done it. And I think if it was literally, if it's, if it's this or suffer like consequences and the consequences are bad, well, yeah, I've got no choice, mm. but it's. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it now because I see it differently. Well, so exactly. So I, under, I understand the, I understand the sentiment behind it, um, but I'm just stubborn. Like if I was starving, if I hadn't eat for days, and someone put a meal in front of me, and it had milk powder in, I just wouldn't eat it. Yeah, I'm a bit stubborn. Yeah, for it's sure. Probably, it's probably a stupid outlook to have, really. But well, that's it's why I often like I'll do the stupid hypothetical thing, like not stupid. But I'll do the hypothetical things because I, I think it's fun. I think sometimes it's good to have those thought experiments. But sometimes it's like, what do we get out of it? 
other than just trying to get like sometimes you just like I want to know what, how someone would think about it, and sometimes you're not sometimes asking the question isn't this isn't as much about getting the yes or no answer that you want. It's about how are they going to answer this question because you can see how their mind works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hypothetical things, man. Question for you. Go on. What is your favourite venue on home soil or abroad? Vegan restaurant takeaway. Um, where? Where have you had a good time? So some some places don't exist anymore, which sucks. Uh, my friend Rudy ran a business in London called V Cross, and it started out as like a little shop that sold. It was like a grocery shop with clothes and bits and pieces. So he sold train like skate shoes and and, and boots and things and t-shirts and stuff but then became more of a sort of like calf kind of restaurant type thing and he used to make these super burritos that I like carry from my hand to my elbow and it was like two wraps put together in a big thing and I used to go if I was in London for a gig I'd go there first and be like that's what I'm coming out after the gig after I'm coming out of the gig I'm going to get back to my hotel I'm probably going to be a bit about five or six beers deep and ravenous and that I'm going to look at that and it's going to be amazing every time but I can't do it now but they, they've got one in Bristol. So whenever I'm in Bristol, I always go to, to V-Cross because it's just... Bristol's supposed to be like the UK capital, isn't it? Well, Bristol's got some good stuff. We've got some really good stuff. Glasgow's got some really stuff. Manchester stuff. was, was it? Kind of. Ago? I mean, Manchester's weird because they've moved so many things around. There used to be a place called V-Rev or V-Revolution. And it started out as like a record shop. Then it became a sort of like similar to V-Cross in that it sold like bits and pieces and things and then it became a restaurant and then it, it became a sort of like cafe and then it became a full bore like a proper restaurant but they've closed down and I think it was partly because Covid just did what it did to so many businesses mm. um, and then Glasgow is amazing there's a place there called Mono which was really cool that used to be a record shop and a grocery shop and a bar and a venue and a restaurant like all kind of in one mm. um, and it's part of the person that owns them has got like a number of spots around and they're all vegan mm. Um, and they all do different things for different purposes. So like one's more just like pub food, one's more just like just snacks and things, and the other one's more kind of fancier dining kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I don't think I've got one because I, like, I think it's one of those things where like if you're, particularly with the stuff I do with music or when I was doing the stuff with the vegan thing, the you just kind of know the places that you're going to go to near where the hotels are. Like in another place in London, 222, down on Kensington High Street, I think it is. Um, that is like old school, proper, hippie vegan kind of place. Um, and it's tiny and it's always rammed and you have to book ahead to get in there. It's not expensive. It's just really good food and if you want to just like 222 is definitely one of those places there it's veggie vegan but predominantly vegan but like mm. people go there for the vegan food because yeah, yeah. it's I see it's like a hobby now yeah not that I get out much because I'm always working but um, any, anywhere we go I'm looking I'm looking man I'm yeah. like, I want to I want to tick them off kind of thing it's, it's more because when I mean you can't really say because you've been plant based for so long but Obviously, mine's been five years, and obviously, you just wherever you go, you just eat. Yeah. But now it's kind of like a little hobby where you have to do your, do your yeah. research before, um, unless you want to mix bean chili 
yeah. uh, or a plain Jacobitator or something. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's enjoyable, really. To, well, um, it's 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 weird. It's more fun. It's definitely fun. It's one of those things that like it depends on on kind of what you're doing. But there there is the whole like you go and do the vegan tourist thing. Like I did it a bunch in in, in when I was travelling in the states. Um, like there's one place I really want to go that I haven't been. It is um, Portland in Oregon, up on the sort of northwest coast, um, and it's it's like a strip mall type thing, where they've got a bakery, um, a grocery sh- shop, a tattoo studio, and there's something else. But all of it is vegan, like all of it, the whole thing, um, and it's been there. That was one of the things I remember reading about back in 2005 when I first started going vegan is like you started hearing about these places in far off lands and stuff so it's sort of it's that achievement unlocked shit when you go and fight, when you go to places and like so it is cool to like that's one of the good things about like people go oh isn't it difficult travelling when you're vegan it's like no because I get to find out stuff and then like, you, you find the ones that you're not, not even expecting yeah. like you'll, you'll just be driving down a road and you'll see one it's like I'm not even hungry I'm just going to go in and raid Ooh, it all I remember on tour uh, in Budapest we were travelling we got there the day before and then we were travelling from there to the first show we were going to get a train and that's where we were meeting the van and the gear and everything and we were waiting for the train and there was a KFC by the train station and some of the guys went in because they were idiots and I was like right I'm going to use their free Wi-Fi and just look on Barnivore have you used Barnivore before? never heard of it oh my god so Barnivore is no sorry Barnivore is the the vegan booze place who will tell you what booze is and isn't vegan and stuff uh-huh. which is really good and it's community led so people have emailed the companies and then they forwarded on the respo- responses to this website mm-hmm. so you can search for most things and it's fairly regularly updated but then there's Happy Cow was the other one mm-hmm. you heard of that someone put us on there yeah 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 so Happy yeah. Cow that these days in recent years it's kind of got become more and more redundant because so many the ubiquity of veganism is such that most places do vegan stuff mm. as well as whatever they're doing um, but back in the days that was you'd go there and you were like where am I so I was in this in this KFC using the free Wi-Fi going what's vegan within a mile of where I am right now and down a road and round a corner there was an all vegan pizza place and I was like wicked we're going there went there they were running late, so they gave us money off. They gave us 25 euro off, booked a taxi for us so we could get back to the train station. So we'd run onto the train station with, with a stack of vegan pizzas, and everyone's like, Oh, where'd you get them? It's like around the corner. Well, can we have some? No, you've had your KFC. <laughs> so just sit there, just banging it. And you just find these places, and it's brilliant. Yeah. And I, then I, need to, I need to attack Birmingham more, man, because I've heard some good things. Um, I don't, it's, it's hard because the, the areas that we open, are the hours that they open and yeah, yeah. when we should they should so it's kind of hard to catch them but um, I do need to start venturing over that way to, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, some, there's some really cool stuff like and it's weird because every because obviously I didn't get to Birmingham for basically two years because of Covid I'd like to go to the office if I had to but I never really went into town and so like loads of the stuff that was there was no longer there after Covid mm. um, like, there was this really good place called uh, I can't remember what it's called but it was by the Sainsbury's in the middle of town you know where Rackham's is or mm-hmm. House of Fraser yeah, yeah that bit there it was like near there and it was all vegan and they did like they did amazing salads and stuff and it was great because like, finally someone's doing a salad in, in Britain 
That's the one thing you can't get decent <laughs> versions of over here. Yeah. Um, but that was really good, and then they sort of just disappeared off the face of the map, and never nothing else came in its stead. And there used to be a vegan shop, like a proper vegan grocery shop in Birmingham, in the old Friends of the Earth building um, at the back of Moore Street. But then that's gone now, so there's no actual place for vegans to go in terms of buying grocery, mm. other than the big chains. Mm, okay, yeah. Like, there's not a specific vegan shop in Birmingham anymore. Yeah. Which is like, that's weird. Like, I find that particularly weird. Yeah, yeah. Because now it's so... I mean, in some ways, it's a good sign because it's so embedded in the culture that we don't need the specific shops anymore. But in the same way, those shops were kind of more than the shop that you bought stuff from. It was mm-hmm. a community place. It was mm-hmm. like, you'd find out about stuff that was going on in the movement and you'd have discussions and things. And the demand's there, but it's just the fact that it's convenience, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. people will just go in Tesco for something and yeah. end up buying what they need. And yeah. that has a massive effect on the small businesses, doesn't it? And so. you can't as I'm sure you're aware, you can't sell things at the same prices as the big boys because you don't have that buying power. Mm. Like, you're not sitting there going, oh, I'll buy 10 grand's worth, or no, say 10, I'll buy, like, £100,000 worth of this stock so then I can bang it out at three quid a pop or whatever. Exactly, mate, yeah. Like, you're going, I've got 100 quid to buy this mm. and I'm going to have to make that stretch or whatever, like, if, if stuff's tight or whatever. Like, so it means that all of these like little small independent businesses that were like vital mm-hmm. back in the days for everyone, they're sort of weirdly not there anymore. So that's the kind of thing that sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an argument that maybe someone should do it again, but like, how do you, I don't know where you go about setting up a vegan thing anymore. Like, I don't know what you'd do if you set up a specifically vegan place. Mm-hmm. Because there was a period of time... It's the worst time ever to, to start it, I suppose. Yeah, because one of the things I've actually, like, talking about the history of it, like, <laughs> it's funny now looking at it in phases. So there was the cupcake phase where everyone was making cupcakes. And then there was the... And now we're in the donut phase. Like, everyone's making vegan donuts. So there's that Project D place that does up the wagon and horses sometimes. No, they go up the new end sometimes. And then there's some other place and they're doing vegan donuts and there's this doing vegan donuts. And then there was like the... And we had like the burger stuff. So obviously down in, in town, we've got the... VGM. The Vegan Boulevard. And, you know, that's what VREF started out as, just doing burgers and chips and things. And so we've had these phases of different things and we had a little phase where we had like proper posh stuff. There was a place in Birmingham called 1847 that did this really fancy like vegan food. And it was cool, but no one went there because it was too expensive. <laughs> so Probably. it's 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 a strange one. Mm. Um, and there's the, but now I don't know where we are because I sort of I've taken a back seat from it because I kind of talk about it more like a philosophy than I do about the other stuff. Mm. But well, that will lead on to the last question. Same question as everyone else. What do you see as the future of veganism and how do you hope to contribute towards its growth? Um, Where do you see it going? I, I mean, I, I think it's going to only get more convenient. Like, that's, that's obvious. At some point, Greg's are going to do more than two vegan things at any one time um, and do what they do very well, which is single-handedly kill off anyone else that wants to do anything. Um, but the... So that's, that's, I don't think that's in, in any doubt because regardless of whether people choose to identify as being vegan or fully live a vegan lifestyle, if there are things that they're going to eat that they can appease their conscience, they'll get them. 
So I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Do you see it carrying on as it has done in the last 20 years, what you've saw? I don't know because I don't know what the roots into it anymore are. Because for me, my route in was punk rock and, and, and music and, and through, through that world. So, and I'm sure that's still a thing that's happening. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think, I think now it's just going to be, it's going to be like vegetarianism is. It's going to be mainly a diet thing for, for the vast majority of people. And, and that's fine. Um, but I think what I would like, what I would like to see is, as I've mentioned previously, more stuff that deals, more stuff coming out that deals with the other things of mm. veganism because veganism has always been a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's always been a all-encompassing philosophy. Mm-hmm. The focus lately has just the, been on food. The focus for the majority yeah. of it has been on the food side of it, but there needs to be more of a, conver- there needs to be more conversation around some of those kind of like moral and ethical things, but also when applied to other aspects of your life. And I don't know, maybe I'll do it, maybe I will do that podcast in the end and I'll, I'll talk about it and, and I'll talk about what I, you know, that I, what I'll do those investigations into things like the leather industry and the wool industry and, and other things so that people can learn about that stuff mm-hmm. because it's difficult to find that information out. Yeah. And know that what you're a, reading is a, true. There's a reason why as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a... And... and it, it, I mean, I mean how, how much... This, this is self-evident, like how much did the average person know about it 15 years ago well, before the internet got big that's it and there's like, a reason why isn't that yeah. you know what I, mean? I mean the ubiquity of it was like there were because I was on the internet from about the age of 16 ish maybe a bit earlier I can't remember when we got first got it but it was you know this was in the age when if your mum picked if, some, if someone phoned it would cut the internet off yeah or with the dial tone at the start yeah 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 <laughs> um, so a lot of the information then was like you know threadbare or whatever and now you've got YouTube and podcasts and all these things. So I don't think we're going to be stuck for stuff to watch and listen to and learn from. I just, I don't know what you do. I don't know where the, there needs to be a more active kind of community, but I don't want to go down to like, oh, let's have a vegan group because then you become this little isolated thing. And I think that's part of the problem with veganism generally. Like, like for me certainly it's my isolated thing alone and I'll talk to people about being vegan and I'll encourage them to be vegan but it's my journey and my journey and everyone else it's nothing to do with it I don't mind if people are or aren't whatever Um, but at the same time I want to see a world in which animals aren't exploited so I have to be active I have to do something well I think this is the problem people see it as as a group whereas like if I was the only person on earth who thought what I thought and believed what I believed I'd still stick to what I believe well yeah because other people see it as like like a, like a cult yes I mean I, I was never co- I was never I never I was encouraged by people to be vegan but really not that many at the time but it's like I said like I was just purely thinking on it from a what do I define myself as and mine was purely from a pursuit of the self it was like what am I do- what, how can I live like this if this is what's going on, mm. how can I how can I balance those exactly. two things out? How can I address these things and those things and whatever it is, and still feel like this makes any sense? And I felt like a hypocrite if I was going to be eating meat and I couldn't prepare it myself. I felt like a hypocrite if I was going. I mean, I can't make my own shoes, I can't grow my own vegetables, but I still do that stuff. So I'm aware that I'm, relatively speaking, a bit of a hypocrite, mm. but I'm. I'm still not going to take part in the things that I think are wrong. Mm. And I don't think that's going to change. People are quite evident, quite readily 
able to speak to things. I think what will change is the, and has changed is the way in which we view our veganism. We've particularly, it's been very focused on environmental stuff of recent years, mm. which, you know, is right. When you look at the st- statistics, the two worst things you can do on the planet is, relatively speaking, is have a kid followed by picking your diet, followed by going on holiday and doing all those things and having a car and things. But like, so yeah, it's really important to do that. But I think because you see people coming into it now from Extinction Rebellion, from Black Lives Matter, from other things that are going on in the world, we're starting to see veganism as a part of, it's not a, it's not a thing that takes us out of the world. If, if anything, it puts us into the world more. And I think if we recognise that we think differently about things, so not to be confronted every time someone challenges it, we can be better because we we can look at our own beliefs and go, am I threatened by someone questioning me about my beliefs or my beliefs sound? Um, but also it opens us up to, well, if we have to expect people to be honest, uh, uh, honest and open to our beliefs, we have to be open and honest to their beliefs and be able to give them the critical courtesy that we would think people should do of us which is a general rule for life in it but particularly mm. with veganism it's very easy to get into the us versus them mm. and it's very easy to forget that this stuff is all intersectional mm. you know uh, the experience of which is why the podcast exists now to, exactly to listen it's, to and it's good to share these it's good to share these viewpoints and it's really viewpoints. fascinating listening to the episodes that you've done so far because I think it's really I mean, for me, there was one. There was one I was laughing at because I was just like, "Oh, that's that's so cute." Because I remember that. I remember feeling like that, and I don't mean it in a patronising way. But it's like I found it just so kind of like I felt for so long that I was doing this by myself and no one else was doing anything like me. Because often when you're struggling, you do that. You get stuck in your head, yeah. and and then I listened to it. and I'm like, oh. That was my first, that Oh, cool! It wasn't just me then, and it's it's really fun. So I think what you've been, what you've been doing and the, po- the conversation you've been having are really really enjoyable. Mm. I've, well, I've, if you listen to any activist on uh, on YouTube, yeah. uh, they'll they'll stick to the core basics because that's you know you, you've gone into a lot of depth. Uh, whereas your average person who might be on the verge of turning, yeah, will want to hear these things. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's the very simple core um, and, principles of it. You know what I mean? And that's it. And I think you should you should start simple to go into things. If you are the kind of person that will overanalyze things, fine, but, but trust where, know when to stop. Take a, but it's, it's just, essentially, it's like an advent calendar in it. You open a door, you pull something out. The next day you open a door, you pull something out. And that could be a chocolate or a Lego or whatever. But you pull a thing out, you've got to treat, in a certain sense, you treat your life and veganism like that, like treat it like an advent calendar. It's like, tomorrow's a new door. What's going to be behind that door? What am I going to learn? What does that mean in relation to the previous door or the next door? Like, what... It's, it's, it should just allow you to open the way you think more and more as you get, get used to it and get comfortable with it as your body adjusts, as your brain adjusts. But, you know, there's no right, one right or wrong way into this thing. Just try and give yourself a wide berth as far as mistakes are concerned try and be kind to yourself particularly with that be compassionate to yourself and to others first and foremost I think that answers the last question without me even asking it it was going to be what advice would you give to someone thinking about adopting a plant based 
life's long. Or should I say video? Well, I mean, you can say whatever you want. I, <laughs> I, the, there's a separate conversation about the plant-based thing because I saw some company do a half and half thing that was like half chicken, half not chicken, and they advertised no, it as a plant-based thing. And I'm like, you're fucking mental, mate. But that's just capitalism gone mad. With, with, with getting into veganism, is, is the, yeah, the number one rule is being compassionate to yourself. Like, give give yourself all the space in the world to fuck up. Allow yourself to fail because it's only through failure that you really succeed. Um, but never be afraid to ask questions. There are no stupid questions. There are only people that are assholes that have got no compassion. Uh, you might feel dumb, but at some point we've all got to ask for something that seems base and banal. Um, and if it, sometimes if it feels too good to be true, it probably is. So just be a bit cautious, be cautious, be careful um be mindful of the where you're buying things from if and you don't want eat to eat a full cheese pizza don't eat a full cheese pizza well and it was only, it was it was it's probably like half but <laughs> still don't eat half a cheese pizza um because you'll feel horrible the next day but half a large get... is a medium though <laughs> it would have been a medium no would it a medium no it would have been don't eat a small pizza oh i don't know anyway pizzas oh. um but yeah it, it, it don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to look for stuff. But don't be afraid to question yourself and question whether something feels right to you. You know, because there's a lot of people I've seen doing stuff in veganism where they're following what they believe to be true based on what others have done. And I've seen them and they're going, I don't like this. I'm like, don't do it. If, you, if it doesn't sit, sit right with you, don't do it. Um, and there's always going to be people that are going to give you shit, but there's just as many people that are going to encourage you for doing it. And if you, worded. if you feel right about it in yourself and you are not hurting yourself, because that's the primary thing with this compassion shit, is be mindful of your health and your well-being. Don't let it all get to you, because otherwise you'll just sit there in a hole eating half a cheese pizza. <laughs> and if you feel less manly. Well, yeah. Well, it's because you're eating all the phytoestrogens, isn't you? Because you're my bloody soy boy. <laughs> Soy boy. Oh, we didn't mention soy and I'm glad. We'll end it there. Yeah. Cheers, Alan. Thank you. It's been good to hear somebody speak in depth from 18 years of experience and I'm sure some people will uh, definitely I mean, take what you've said on board. If, if there was anything useful in there, then great. Uh, if there wasn't, thanks for the patience. We'll um, see you on episode two when we talk about <laughs> clothes, leather we'll get and t-shirt it. buttons. Yeah. Um, but if there are people that want to if people want to ask, they can ask me stuff. If they ask you and pass it on to me, I'll, you know. I know, I know certain things and I know I've done certain things so I can give advice on stuff. Instagram? Free advice? Instagram, yeah. Uh, it, ironically, my, my Twitter and Instagram handles are the same. It's V Allen V. V Allen V. It's two, two L's. L's. So V A double L A N. And the V's are a, an old joke from when I first went vegan with my mate Matt where we argued that you, so there's a thing called straight edge where in, in punk where people don't drink or do drugs and they put big black X's on their hands so I went nah we're going to put V's in front and then people would put X's in front of their names to show that they're straight edge so I, we decided to put V's in because we're hardcore vegetarians because we don't eat any ah, cheese that's where it comes so from so I put big black V's on my hands so I was V Allen V instead of X Allen X got ya um and that's where it's stuck and that's been my since I've ever had Twitter that was my name the whole time and Instagram um, I do an open mic on Tuesdays at the Queen's Head in Stourbridge 
that's just it's a music thing but if you want to come and do a comedy bit come and do a comedy bit um, there's no skill level there's no rules on covers or not covers or whatever it's just turn play some songs and have a laugh um, but yeah I'm not one for putting like loads of vegan stuff but if someone wants to know something or they want to know where to get something or particularly when it comes to music I can definitely do more with that in terms of riders and things because I've had to source vegan riders for artists that I've worked with and I've mm-hmm. been the vegan artist or I've been the vegan crew, member of crew so I've had to deal with that road stuff as well so if anyone is a, is a musician and vegan and wants to know where it's goods to go or what should I look out for or whatever like yeah hit me up mm-hmm. I Drop think. this veteran a message. Yeah. And you might get a DM off uh, Gary Yurofsky as well. Yeah, I'll fight him. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, see, this is the thing as I go off on the internet and then uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm, YouTube I'm, fights, man. I'm here for... you. Oh, well, I'll do a YouTube fight, but I'm here for uh, I'm here for a good old natter and a... De- not necessarily a debate, because some things aren't up for debate, but like... Rather than shouting at each other, I'll be like, come on, where's your bullshit come from? Where's my bullshit come from? Where are we, where are we, where, where do we... I want to see it. I'd love to, I'd love to sit, I mean, there's some people where I'd love to sit down and be like, but seriously, what the fuck? Because sometimes it's like, it, it's, in, it's only through meeting someone and having like a face-to-face like we're having now, where I think sometimes you can really understand why people think the way they do or where, the, you know, you can see oh, they know they genuinely believe this isn't bullshit or, oh, you can see through it, mm. you know, stuff like that. So I'm definitely up for it, like, having good old little chinwags with folks. Gary, you've got his Instagram. Me and Gary. Come on, Gaz. <laughs> Gaz v. Alan. Anyway, Alan, thank you for your views and your uh, chat. Lovely work. Thank you for um, your company. Thanks for coming in. Let's go and feed you. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>